0: Good morning Oakwood family. Welcome to Camp Sunday. Um, We had 58 first through fifth graders come to our day camps that we had back in the middle of June and you're going to have an opportunity to hear some of the lessons that we taught our kids at day camp. You're also going to have a chance on the second part of our sermon, Justin Brody is going to come up, our student minister, and he's going to share some lessons that he he heard about or that they taught at student middle school and high school camp. But as we begin today, I just want to share with you our main verse. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 8, or you can go to our Bible app. You can follow all the scriptures on that as well. Luke chapter 8, starting verse 4. It says this, While a large crowd was gathering people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I've got one main question I want to ask you today. Where is the word of God planted in your life? Think about that. Where's the word of God planted in your life? Well, I went on to a website and I went to gardeners.com because I wanted to learn about a little bit more gardening ideas and, and topics and, and stuff like that. So I went to gardeners.com and they gave me a seven steps from seed to put into a garden. Someone kind of give you those seven steps. The first one is you have to get the timing right. You have to know when to put the plant in the ground because you have to have favorable weather. Correct. That's obviously. The second one, you have to have the right container. You need to know if it's too big of a container or too small of a container for your plant. The third thing is you need to prepare the potting soil. You need to not just pick regular dirt and whatever. You have to get the right nutritious soil for your plant. Then the fourth step is you need to know where to plant it, like how deep you should plant your seed. Some seeds need a little deeper, some just barely the surface of the ground. The fifth step is to water Feed, repeat. You water it, you keep feeding it, and you repeat it. Doesn't that sound like something that would be valuable for us as Christians? We need to continue to water and take in the nutrition of God's word and repeat this over and over and over process. And then the sixth step, light, light, and more light. You need to know how much light to give that plant. And that's very true for us. After we read God's word as Christians, we need to be the light of the world, share that with other people. And then the seventh one was know when to put the seedling from outdoors gradually and put it outside. You know, take it from the indoors and put it into the outside. Don't just throw it out there and let all the elements and bugs and all that attack it. And so that was just something that I thought was kind of neat about gardening. But let's go back to our main scripture, back to Luke chapter 8. And now let's go down to verse 9. It says, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, well, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. So here's Jesus getting ready to explain to the disciples what this parable means. He says, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. So the first seed we're going to talk about is the seed that fell along the path. Now, before we get into the seed that fell along the path, what does Jesus say the seed is? It's the Word of God. Now, when I was a kid and I heard this parable, I have to be honest—I always thought this meant my faith. Like, is my faith deeply rooted in Jesus, or is my faith one of those faiths that just kind of scattered around and I just can lose my faith? I actually worried about that as a kid. But that's not what Jesus is meaning. This—he says, "This is not about faith. This is about the Word of God. How are you using the Word of God?" And so as I thought about it, I'm like, I need to ask myself some questions about God's word and what I'm doing with it. Am I reading it on a regular basis, on a daily basis? Am I meditating on it? Am I memorizing it? And am I living out what God's word says? I believe that our faith can be weak, and faith is a very important part of our life. I think it's only weak when we don't cherish and apply God's word. When we doubt, when we have those thoughts in our minds, sometimes I think we allow the devil to kind of creep in and to make us doubt God's word. So let's go to a story that one of the kids heard at our day camps. Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start in verse 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. And this is what it says. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd... After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already in a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. But shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I mean, could you imagine? I'd be a little scared too. And then, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Well, Lord, if it's you, Peter replies, tell me to come to you on the water. You know what Jesus says? Come. (laughs) So then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? He reaches down and saves him reached him out by the hand and caught him. And he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, going back to the seed that fell along the path, it does say that the devil takes the seed away from people. And that's kind of scary to think about that, that, that he can take away the word of God from people's hearts and from their minds, but it's probably because they're not deeply rooted into Jesus and the scripture. I feel like they lose the word of God because they haven't been reading it, they haven't been studying it on a regular basis. So if that's you, you haven't been reading God's word and soaking it in on a regular basis, don't give up. Go back and get into a reading plan. There are tons of reading plans out there that can get you reading God's word and letting it soak in your life. Because there are people out there if you don't know God's Word, they can teach false doctrine, and you need to know what is true in God's Word. There are some people out there who have taught false theories and things of this world, and they will even twist Scripture and turn it into whatever thing they want to say to make their life seem like it is okay. The kids at VBS this week, are going, starting tonight, are going to hear a theory about how this world began called evolution, and they're going to learn that it is not true. There's another guy in the Old Testament, maybe you're familiar with him, and his name is David. David was a man after God's own heart, and he slayed Goliath, and he helped lead God's people into a mighty place, and he was the king of Israel. But there were moments in his life where he let sin creep into his life. He let the devil kind of te- make him think, well, maybe I'm missing out on something. And so he sinned, and he covered that sin up, and he covered that sin up. And eventually, God sent him a messenger to wake him up. And to change his heart. And then if you look in Psalms 51 verse 10, this is kind of David's cry out to God. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors, which means sinners, your ways so that sinners will turn back See, David became vulnerable to God. He said, God, please forgive me. Please don't turn your back from me. Make my heart pure so that I can turn other people back to you. And see, I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. God wants us to be willing to be vulnerable before him so he can mold us and make us who he wants us to be. So the main question again is, where is is the word of God planted in your life? There are some scriptures I want to share with you that I just think are incredible that you should memorize and should live in your life. Psalms 119, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Another one, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your what? Path straight. Those are great scriptures to apply to your life. But let's go back to our main scriptures again. Let's go back to Luke chapter 8. And let's read about the second soil that is being read. In verse 13, Jesus goes on and talks about those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. So the second one is the seed that fell upon the rocky ground. And there are people who hear it, but there is no root in their life. And so Jesus even teaches about some foolish and wise builders. He gave a parable of that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 26. He says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell down with a great crash. So which builder are you? Do you have your Your life planted in Jesus and your foundation on him and the word of God were the things of the world. The kids also learned another story out of Luke chapter 5 at camp. And it says, when he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, he said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But this is the key point that Simon Peter says. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And then go down to verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees, at Jesus' knees, and said, Go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Then, if you see at the end, verse 10, it says, Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. We need to trust in God's word and live it out. Peter was an example right there where Jesus gave him words to what he needed to do in his life. And he could have said, no, Lord, we've been working all night and I'm tired, I'm going home, I'm going to bed. But instead he says, because you say so, I will do it. And he got to witness a miraculous miracle. And I believe if we read God's word and we plant it in our lives we can see lots of miracles that god will do in our lives he will transform us and change us in romans 8 39 it says neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord jesus promises that we can live with him forever and that is a great promise that we can hold true we need to plant ourselves in jesus let us plant the word of god in our hearts and in our minds. Before I end today, I just want to ask you another question. Where is the word of God planted in your life?
1: It's hard for me to watch that and I get a little bit emotional because four or five months ago, we weren't even sure that we were going to be able to have any kinds of camps or uh, conferences for any of our students or for our children's ministry. So uh, the fact that Corey and I are standing up here together today to bring you uh, God's message but also share about what God has done uh, through our camps is just nothing short, in my estimation, of, of a miracle. And I think that just God, um, you know, deserves that praise and, and glory for allowing long as to have that. And just this past weekend, actually Friday and Saturday, I was back at camp with my uh, oldest daughter, who's five. She went to first-timers camp. And so uh, for the very first time as a camper, uh, she got to go and spend the night in the, in the cabins and um, learn about David and Goliath and how she's fearfully and wonderfully made. And it was just a A great time. So I want to uh, continue where Corey kind of left off as we are looking at this parable in the Gospel of Luke and uh, a way that we can feed you guys some scripture but also kind of touch on some of the highlights of what we were able to learn and and teach and instruct uh, through our camps and during the season. So as we get ready to look at the third um, seed, is the seed that fell among the thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns, and in Luke chapter 8, Verses 7 and 14, we read these words. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Verse 14, the seed that fell among those thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Just a few scriptures that I want to highlight. If you're taking notes, you can write them down in your notes. They, these ones will not be up on the screen. But Philippians 4 six through seven, reminds us to not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, we make our requests known to God. Don't be anxious. There's no need to be anxious, scripture tells us. In Matthew chapter six, 25 through 27, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. For no one who worries can add a single hour to their life. Over in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, we're reminded to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, for the Lord your God goes with you, before you, wherever you go. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, you'll read there where it talks about uh, those that pursue wealth, and by their pursuing wealth, they've abandoned their faith. It says that the, for, the, root, uh, for the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Just some reminders throughout Scripture of of the things that we allow to choke us out, to choke out the Word of God in our lives. I uh, asked Austin Beckwith if he'd make his way up here to the stage. He's going to help me out with a little illustration that I've done this a few times during uh, youth group, and maybe you've seen something similar to this. But it's a great reminder of the things that we allow to put in our lives that can oftentimes choke out God's Word in our lives. So Austin, with everything happening in the world uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on right now. In fact, you've got to get ready for school, right? So there's your backpack. Uh, you know, we gotta we gotta make sure that we eat right. You know, so here's here's some Rice Krispies. I don't know if they're gonna talk to you or not. Um, here's some some sports. You know, sports is back on TV, so you can watch your Thunder play. You can uh, watch your favorite baseball team go Cubs. Um, uh, Austin likes to hunt, so we didn't want to give him a real bow. Uh, since, you know, we're in church and stuff, but let's see, uh, let's not forget, he's a teenager, so he's got have his technology, so you got to take your keyboard, and uh, oh, don't forget about all of our movies, you know, you've been kind of s- sheltering at home over the summer, so I'm sure you've watched a lot of movies and Netflix, and oh, don't forget books, I know, you know, you had time to read books, a lot of books, and oh, uh, well, there's a hammer in here, because Austin likes to build, and uh, that's a real hammer, so be careful if you're in the first five rows. There's some hunting gloves. Uh, don't forget your hand sanitizer. Can't go anywhere without that, right? Here's some drumsticks because Austin likes to be a drummer. Oh, here's some money. Gotta have some money. Be careful with these. There's a coin shortage, you know, so don't, don't lose my coins. Uh, all right, there's, there's some money there. Austin, there in front of you is God's word. I like you to pick up God's word. See, it's almost impossible. Luke, you want to come up here and help him with this? Uh, Luke's going to help him kind of reestablish some things here as I'm talking to you. Uh, but if you will uh, start with God's word. See, when, when we load up our lives with all, these, with all this stuff, with the worries and the anxieties and uh, pursuing stuff, like scripture says, it'll, it chokes out God's word in our life. Austin had so many things that when I asked him to pick up God's word, he was unable to do it. Now, some of you may be sitting out there, you're watching online, and you go, well, I'm not into some of those things that maybe Austin is into, and that's fine. You substitute for your hobbies and your interests and for the things that are occupying uh, your time. As we get ready, hopefully, you know, to go back to school, and and parents are making those preparations with their students. People are signing up for fall activities and fall sports, and oftentimes I hear this as a youth pastor, that we're too busy To come to church on Wednesday night. But there's one more activity though that we got to get Junior signed up for. There's one more sport that we got to get, you know, Little Miss signed up for. Because if she doesn't play, then she uh, somehow might uh, be affected socially by not being able to hang out with her friends. Because five activities isn't enough. We need to have her in six activities. Can I tell you, as a dad of a kindergarten student, I'm starting to already feel that pressure. Because for the first year, she's old enough to do dance. She's old enough to do upwards, She's old enough to play t-ball. She's, she's got all these activities, these options. But look what happens. When you rearrange your life with God's word first, everything else has its place. God gives us a place for everything else if we make his word most important, first of all. Austin, you can just put all that in there for me. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, buddy. So, when we were at middle school camp, here was the, the theme for the week, was learning to seek God by hitting the pause button. And for some of you this morning, when we talk about where is God's word planted in your life, you know by seeing that, that you need to hit the pause button because you've allowed so many things to just choke out God's word in your life. And you just need to hit pause, and you need to focus back on him. And he'd focus back on his word. The fourth seed is the seed that fell on the good soil. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, we read these words in verse 8 and verse 15. It says, still other seed fell on the good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than that was sown. But the seed on the good soil, it stands for those with a noble and good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering they produce a crop. At high school camp at CIY, our theme was the third person. It was all about the Holy Spirit. The biggest thing that we took out of that was that the Holy Spirit renews and revives our heart and our mind and our lives. And one particular evening, we focused uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to, to think about as we talk about the good soil is that the fruit of the Spirit must be evident in a Christian's life. There must be evidence in, your, in a Christian's life of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians five, twenty two to twenty three says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Now I do want to read these scriptures to you and not just point out the references because it reminds us of just how important putting God's word is in our life and producing fruit over in Psalm chapter one, the very first chapter of Psalm, Psalm one, verse one. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaves do not wither and whatever he does prospers. Over in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. It says, And verse 8, all of this he says, talking about I am the vine and you are the branches, he says in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit of the Spirit must be evident in a Christian's life. There must be evidence of fruit. And here's the warning that Jesus gives us if you go back over to Matthew chapter 7. Listen to this warning that Jesus gives us on the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 15. He says, Watch out, though, for the false prophets. For they come to you in, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. See, you're recognized, we are recognized by our fruit, not just the good fruit that we produce in our life, but also by the bad fruit that we produce in our life. I don't remember who it was that said it, but they said if, uh, the, the old quote was, if being a Christian was against the law, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Would there be enough fruit that people could see in your life that would show that you are a Christian? That you have taken God's word and it it has taken root. It has uh, gotten deep into your heart, into your mind, and into your soul. One of the interesting things was that as we looked at that fruit of the Spirit, the students were challenged, and so were the adults, but the students were challenged with thinking about what is the thing that's lacking the most in their life? Looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Is there something that's missing? Something that you wish you had more of? More patience, more kindness, more gentleness, more self control. And they were given these keychains that had the little um, uh, moniker on there and had the reminder of the theme of the Holy Spirit, but on one side there was like a film piece of paper, and they wrote down on that film, that piece of paper, uh, what it was that was, they, they were lacking. And here's what, here's what they, they challenged us with, is a lot of times we try to go, all right, I got this. I'm good enough. I can take care of this problem. If I need more patience, I can work on it. I can fix it. I don't need any help. We do that sometimes. But the whole concept was that we had to get weak and had to become vulnerable and ask and pray that the Holy Spirit will work in our life through God's Word and help us to establish the thing that we lack. And when they were ready, some of them didn't do it right away on night one, but when they were ready, they were to peel off that sticker that they uh, had that writing on, and they were to go hand it to their small group leader and ask them to pray about that. But here's what's really neat, is once that's removed... Like, both sides are really shiny, and it's like this prism and this hologram, and it, and it looks really, really cool, and the light is allowed to shine through it. Now, as we bring the message to a close this morning, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, because when we're talking about and asking you, where is the Word of God planted at in your life, this is an important Scripture to think about. Matthew chapter 5 And Jesus is speaking here in verse 13 and following. He says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here it is verse 16 of Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are, um, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The way you let your light shine for other people is going to be an indicator of how well God's Word is planted in your life. And maybe this morning, you have not yet given your life over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you've read a little bit about the Bible. You have a few questions. Maybe you still have some questions that haven't gotten any answers. And I just want to encourage you this morning, as we end our time together, and when Rusty comes out and plays at the last song today, that there's going to be some people down here to, to greet you. If you want to pray or you want to ask some questions about that. Because here's the thing, I don't really want anyone to leave here today or watching online to say, you know, some of that makes sense, and I feel like I'm kind of this particular soil right now, and God's Word's planted kind of like this path, or I've got some some thorns that that are choking out some things in my life I need to get rid of. I don't want anyone to leave here without having prayer and, and taking care of that. And maybe... Especially since it's a family Sunday, and I see a lot of littles in the, in the audience stay with your families. As you get ready to go back to school, maybe you need to reevaluate some things as a family and say, hey, we need to get God's word back as a priority. If we've got time for all these practices and activities, then why don't we have time to spend 10 minutes as a family in God's word? You know, I told one family one time, this mom, she came up to me and she's just like, you don't understand how busy we are. You know, the kids go right from school to practice. I go right from work to their practice, pick them up, try to grab something to eat, pick up my other son at their practice. And I and I understand, I get it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, you're busy. And I just said, can I ask you a question? Yes, yes. How long of a ride is it after you get your last kid? After you have all your kids picked up, how how long of a ride is it home? She said, five minutes. She Just five minutes okay what are do you doing there in that five minutes when your whole family's in the car ain't going nowhere you got everybody in the car for five minutes probably for most of us it's like this that's what the five minutes is like everyone's probably on their devices social media social media and catching up on all that stuff when you could turn off all the devices and turn off the radio and have someone open up God's word and spend five minutes if that's all you got then give it to God but the question we want to ask you guys today, especially as we celebrate with our, our camps over the summer, is where's God's word planted that in your life? Because as things have changed over and over and over again over the last five months, and we've had a ministries had to been completely flipped upside down, VBS has had to been changed two or three times. The one thing that has never changed is God's word. Let's pray. Father, you never change. And you never fail us. Your word says so. Your word is full of promises of new life, of forgiveness of our sins. Father, my prayer this morning, as Corey and I have shared together, is that we simply want to ask and challenge everyone that where is God's word at planted in our life? I know for Corey and I, there's no greater joy than what we have to be able to work with our young people here at Oakwood, our children's ministry and our student ministry. And it's so encouraging that we were able to still have our camps this summer and, and that we're still able to get into your word. And because quite frankly, some of our students are leaving for college. Some of them are already left. And if there's one thing only that we can give to them, one thing that we can encourage them to take with them is God's word in their life. From, when, from no matter if they're, there's our little itty-bitties from the nursery on up through our graduating seniors. To all of those adults that are here. We need your word in our life, Father, and we need to maybe refocus some things. So help us to to take care of uh, the things that are choking out your word in our life. Help us to reevaluate, reprioritize, and put our attention and focus on you. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray.